Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Tired of the 9 to 5? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us again for another exciting episode here for the Breakthrough REI Podcast. As usual, I am joined by Mr. Sandy McKay. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, fantastic and uh, pumped for another show. Me too. Me too. I can't wait to get into this one. First, everyone should go over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Go look back and, uh, and see what we've been doing for the past couple of years here with the podcast and uh, revisit some of the old shows. You can go right back to the beginning, listen to every single one of them. And we've had some incredible guests uh, that we've spoken to about everything REI for quite some time now. So everything's there on the website. You can also get our free gift. Yeah, which I, I'm sure everyone knows, the ultimate strategy to build wealth through real estate. So um, pick that up. You never miss out on an episode. You get updates and everything we're doing when you do that. And, uh, and so, yeah, go pick that up and never miss out on, on anything Rob and I are up to. Sandy, you did an Airbnb webinar not too long ago. Is that right? A couple of days ago? Uh, as of this, it's a week away still. <laughs> but oh, it'll, it? be, okay. it'll, be, it'll be a little bit ago, yes, uh, when this airs. So, uh, yeah. Um, Somewhere, if they want to reach out to me about that, they could they could pick that up. But uh, we had a, we had some great guests in our recent episode about Airbnbs, so that's maybe a maybe a hot topic right now. If people are interested in that, um, they can certainly reach out, and I can I can shoot them out the recording. Or if you're on our list, you might have already got that recording. So right, another, right. another reason to jump on there. And you'll be doing many more of these type of things. Maybe it's not Airbnb, but different topics. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a few more of those webinar styles. So uh, good chance to engage and ask questions and stuff uh, for those that are interested. We'd really like to get back into some in-person um, uh, investor tours in Peterborough area. So hopefully we'll be doing that soon. We'll have some more updates on that coming up. Uh, and then for now, of course, we've got the, uh, we've got the um, November, uh, in conjunction with uh, Durham REI, we've got the November Costa Rica property tour coming up. So more information on that as we go. I think it'll be booked up pretty quickly with just uh, Durham REI members, but uh, maybe if it's successful, we'll start doing some more. Oh, I'm sure. Do you have the dates locked in for that yet? 18th, 19th, 20th, and then depart on the 21st of November. Awesome. It's going to be fun. There's all kinds of activities and all kinds of great properties to see here. So we're excited about it too. And um, yep, stay tuned for more information on that. And before we skip off this, I should just mention that uh, everyone should go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review as well. Helps the show get out there to as many people as possible that might enjoy this kind of information. Absolutely. Go do that. And it allows us to get more great, great guests, great episodes. And um, certainly always appreciate that. And also 
people, uh, you know, reaching out and, and telling us what you want to hear too, right? Because we've done a lot of episodes. We've talked about a lot of a uh, lot of different things. The world's always changing. There's always new new things to learn and uh, and talk on. So um, let us know what you want to hear. And if there's a specific location, maybe we haven't talked about, or strategy, um, or investment topic, then certainly let us know, and we'll do our best to get the expert on there, the Canadian expert on that, and uh, and bring them on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, enough of this chit chat. Let's get into our interview. We've got some great guests today. Fantastic. We've got uh, Evan Unger and Jordan King here, standing by here from uh, Tuck Capital, and uh, we're pumped to have them on the show. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, so these two have been investing in real estate for uh, for four plus years. They got 15 plus million in holdings and uh, transacted over 65 units. Uh, a lot of action there in, in, in not too long of a, of a time frame. So um, they're certainly active real estate investors. And uh, they're also, uh, Evan's also an author, investor, public speaker, and also a Guinness world record holder. So we're going to find out what that means uh, <laughs> oh, a little more into the show here. And uh, yeah, welcome, guys. We're pumped to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. We're like I said, we're very excited to be here and uh, and chat with you guys and answer some some great questions. Yeah, thanks. So um, let's get started with just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourselves, both of you and how you got started in real estate investing. Yeah, Jordan, why don't you kick it off? Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> Evan and myself, we've known, we've known each other for quite a few years, probably a little over a decade now. And um you know, we, uh, we originally we got started with Tuck Capital and Tuck Capital was meant to be a business broker. OK, so we were kind of connected to a lot of high net worth individuals that are looking to invest money, um, as well as finding projects out there that were looking that needed capital and needed the financing. So one of the projects we came across was, a, you know, real estate investor company, and uh, we started doing private loans with them. And then after doing that for a little bit, we said, OK, well, if these guys are willing to be paying you know, 10, 12% uh, interest, how much money are they actually making? So, you know, me and I've been kind of spoke about it and said, hey, you know what, instead of just like sourcing money for this, let's actually be the money guys for this and talk about getting a potential joint venture. So we started off doing a joint venture. Um, the corporation was primarily focused on like dilapidated properties, uh, bringing them up to um, uh, to market values, refinancing them and then renting them out. The burst strategy, which I'm sure most people know about if you don't it's buy rent refinance and so on and so forth um so that being said um after doing that for about a year or so i've been myself realized hey you know what like this is really cool and this is something that we think we want to be you know uh do more of and have a little bit more control so we decided to open up tough developments which is our real estate holding side um which is different than Tuck capital the brokering side and we just went off to the races. You know, we started finding some properties. Uh, we put together a construction comp, a company to kind of deal with all the properties that we have. And from then we've just been scaling uh, rather aggressively. Very good, very good. Um, Evan, let's hear, you know, maybe a little bit about yourself too. And then, and then uh, cause uh, I mean, I, I guess that was sort of a, a sum up of where you guys are at right now, but. Let's go. Let's take a step back. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know where to start, but that was a great summary, uh, Jordan. Um, I would say a bit about myself. Yeah, I just got into business with Jordan uh, uh, many years ago and just fell in love with real estate, really. Um, we both bought our first primary residences when we were really young uh, and saw what the potential is and how it did in the market on its own and said, yeah, this is just an absolute beast when it comes to, you know, generating wealth. So um, decided that, you know, this is going to be something we're going to take hold and grow and, and, and use in, in, in a multitude of ways. So um, jumped in there a bit about me other than business, uh, you know, love to travel currently traveling quite a bit. Um, love the creative side of financing and real estate. And that's kind of where Jordan and I started um, hitting it off the most. And um, yeah, as you guys mentioned, I, I am an author. I have a goal setting book, um, uh, how to plan your goals, how to go from goal setting to goal getting. So it's that actionable items from taking a goal that's just a thought in the head and a dream and really putting that down on paper and in writing and, and getting to it. 
And then, um, yeah, Guinness World Record holder, you know, worked in athletics uh, for most of my life in the gym industry and somehow got into a competition with a coworker for everything. You know, the egos in the gyms were big and, you know, we used to, who could bench more, who could squat more. And apparently one day we decided to see who could jump higher and it was me. And <laughs> by the time we were done jumping, uh, I had a bit of a crowd there. So we ended up Googling, you know, like, uh, what's the highest jump and, and I had you know, made a decision that day I was going to beat the world record for it. So I trained for about a year and then um, and then broke the Guinness World Record for the highest standing jump. And then a year later, broke the, another Guinness World Record for the highest jump on one leg. So quite a bit of fun. <laughs> those are pretty impressive. Uh, those are pretty impressive uh, categories, I think. So I, I, I was waiting for like the, you know, something really, really obscure, like, you know, jumping off of one leg, landing on your toes or something, something that's like right. totally out there. Right. Those are pretty, yeah, those no, are this good. was like a record that had already been there. Um, and yeah, had some fun breaking it, got a really wicked crowd out um, at the gym, one health clubs that I was working at at the time out of Oakville uh, and Mississauga there. So, you know, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We've had some, definitely some hard training and uh, some good things. Then I've traveled the world uh, jumping, like literally it's taken me all over the world on different shows and stuff. So it's been quite, quite entertaining. Super cool, super cool. What, what? Um, maybe we'll touch a bit more on that as we go through the show here. But uh, what's, uh, what's is if, on the investment side? Where do you guys focus? Is it a specific area? Um, you mentioned the strategy, the burst strategy, which, which we certainly have talked quite a bit around that on the show. Um, yeah. we'll dive a bit deeper on that. But what, yeah, what, what areas do you focus on? Is it anywhere specific, or is it all over the place? So Southern uh, Ontario was kind of where we started and we're heading north. Uh, we've headed north over the past year and a half or so. Um, you know, when the prices of homes were a lot more affordable, we were focused mainly in like the St. Catharines, Hamilton area. Um, we've ventured out of those areas. Uh, we're staying in those areas for our flips. Um, a lot harder to make a burr happen in those areas just based on the price. Uh, so, you know, all over the Golden Horseshoe and then, um, a lot up north now, so St. Marie, Sudbury area. Uh, and Burr strategy, is that the go-to up there as well? Or is it, has it changed at all when you've gone to these different markets? Has it kept the same strategy or, or how has that changed? Yeah, definitely continued the Burr strategy up north. And we've actually, for the first time, actually done a couple buy and holds. This The deal was so good. Um, I mean, we, we potentially Burr, Burr that property without having to do the renovation side of things which is actually mind-blowing and amazing all on its own but um so so yeah the same strategy that we've maintained um we did run into you know cash flow problems um burring uh, as we scaled aggressively so at one point we decided like we, we just want to like grow really fast so we started picking up like mm -hmm. a dozen units at a time and that became very stressful from a cash flow perspective so we ended up opening up another corporation to do our uh just do flipping out of and that would provide the liquidity needed in order to scale the burr model because everyone thinks the burr model is so great you know you you, you burr every time you recycle the same money it's, it's it's the best model um if you're doing you know one one uh property or two properties at a time but when, when you're picking up a bunch of them you need a lot of cash so a lot of a lot of people, if they go going to scale, figure well, learn that the hard way, or they learn it that's in some way, and um, and reach you know yeah. they get into some challenges. I mean that that was that was that was kind of the focus of our next question, anyways. Were some of these challenges they faced uh, in growing or in, in starting or growing? Um, so that's a great one to start it off. Um, can you dive a little deeper on how you like? Is that something you foresaw coming, or did you learn that kind of just oh crap, we got to figure this out, and then and then how did you? Yeah. How did you get through that? Because that's a challenging moment. Yeah, so we definitely learned that as we were going. Um, Jordan and I are very tunnel-visioned people in a good way. Uh, you know, we set our eyes on a goal. We, we sprint at it. And we're, we're very good at executing plans. And so we had this plan of scaling and growing and burring. And then, um, you know, we started coming, our, our deal flow picked up incredibly well. Our funnel, like our deal funnel filled up really well. We started picking up more and more and then, you know, they were going great. Uh, and then at some point we were like, Hey, we used up our renovation budget on down payments. So, um, you know, what are we going to do here? And so we decided, okay, with the, you know, 
last bit of like bulk funds that we had of our money, we were, you know what, we're going to pick up some properties that can provide instant liquidity. And so um, we did some flips and then you know, uh, kind of went from there. So that's how the problem came about very quickly, um, but was solved in the real estate in the real estate bubble, which is kind of what I love, like um, that there's going to be definitely roadblocks in investing and building that like generational wealth in real estate. But there's so many creative and different avenues within just real estate on its own that it kind of lead, lends to solving its own problems just through using different methods. It does if you think that way. You know, a lot of people don't think yes. that way. They'd be like, man, we got ourselves into trouble. What are we going to do now? Let's let's get out of this trouble. Instead, you guys dove deeper into potential trouble to save yourself. That's exactly how we do it. Yeah, yeah that's it. And <laughs> like we have a term where we say, oh my goodness, like we're running into trouble. What do we do? Well, let's just get even bigger so it's not that big of an issue down the road. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah we've had a lot of success no. definitely in like Southern Ontario, you know, GTA markets. I would say now that we're, we're still doing the bird model for sure. Um, we have shifted our expectations a little bit though. So, not so much more on the yeah, yearly appreciation because the market is going up, up, up. But now more so we're looking at it as um, cash flow, right? And me and Evan always say we view real estate like stocks. You know, your stock can go up, your stock can go down. Essentially, unless you're selling, it doesn't mean anything. But what's really going to change things is your dividends, your cash flow payments. So that's what we're doing now. We're kind of, you know, repositioning our portfolio and looking for more properties that cash flow very healthy um, opposed to just buying and renovating and just waiting for market appreciation. So that's a little bit of an adjustment we have to make. So for you guys, after you've done the Burr model, you've basically essentially, you know, you've refinanced it for pretty much probably as high as the bank will appraise it for, um, taking all that money back out. What's a healthy cash flow for you guys after something like that? So are you looking for cap rate or like, like gross amount of cash flow whatever whatever info you want to share with us man we're looking for <laughs> yeah, all so I'm, like love to stay around the six percent i think is, is a great place to be uh six percent is kind of like that really middle ground um up north eight percent is really attractive uh you, know, you hit an absolute home run you could be seeing ten percent um you know cap rates but like i said you know you you're going to be in potentially not not as high quality neighborhoods the higher your cap rate goes in terms of cash flow um and then it lends to really not have ever achieving that cash flow uh because you have more turnover but um i would say yeah like a six percent cap rate is, is a really healthy place for us to be I, I think that's where we we like to sit and that's very interesting so are you in towns where where that'll be the cap rate set for the area or are you guys generally higher uh, like uh, set for the area, meaning that's like what the bank will value it at. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, no, the banks are going to be so. So our holdings in Southern Ontario will be lower cap rate um, properties, like you know, in Hamilton and and whatnot. You're going to see cap rates ranging, you know, three four percent, four four and a half percent upwards there. Um, but as you go up north, then yeah, you're in the sixes and and upwards as well. So yeah. very cool. I guess my point was just saying that you guys are able to find properties that the cap rate is actually higher than normal most of the time. Yeah, trying, right? I mean, that that really comes from from building out that network and deal flow for sure, uh, but also being willing to take on properties that aren't in A++ neighborhoods and that have bigger uh, renovation needs, right? Like picking up a, a home that's quite dilapidated, uh, being confident that we can take that renovation on and bring it back to where it needs to be. So yeah. you, you get, obviously, you know, you, you'll have better margins on property that require more work. Sweat equity. Hell yeah. Love it. <clears throat> um, okay, so any other challenges that you can tell us about? I think a challenge that we faced, which I love to preach to newer investors who are looking to go beyond the first few properties, is um, we learned in our novice, like beginning years, that um, once you exceed that place of you can't hold the debt in your own name anymore, um, you know, you got to you got to fund 
other ways. And when you get into residential lending, but in a commercial manner, uh, you're no longer really looking only at compare comps anymore. Like, I mean, uh, we have property in Hamilton, properties in Hamilton that are worth over a million dollars, but the, the, we're not going to get lending on that one point, uh, whatever value, right. We're going to get lending based on, on its, its debt service ratio. Uh, and so I think it's important that people, uh, really pay attention to, uh, debt service ratios, um, when they're scaling their business, because it's something that's often overlooked. So that's interesting. So how do you, how, how does that shift work? How does the shift from having the bank look at it as a, as a residential property to a commercial property? Um, so if you're portfolio lending or if you're getting a business loan uh, to cut, to blanket the mortgages on the properties, they're only looking at how much those properties can service the debt. So whereas if you're buying one or two properties and you're holding them in your name and you got a great job and you're, you know, you're basing it on your employment income, they're going to base it on, uh, you know, s similar concept is how much you can service the debt uh, for those properties. But the value they'll give you is strictly based on like, well, your next door neighbor sold for a million dollars. So yours, you know, it's a, a bit smaller. Yours is worth $950,000. Um, and that's how much we'll lend on. But uh, when you get go into commercial lending, even though it's for residential properties, they're going to say, well, what's your NOI? Um, and you know, how much debt can you service based on your NOI? And then that's actually the value of your property. So, um, so it's when it you're is. shifting over to look at it as a, as a portfolio loan instead of yeah, anything, anything outside of personal, um, personal servicing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and just for the people listening, because like not many people are going to, you know, be in that position, what, where would, where would you like, at what point would you start to go to the bank and look at things this way? I would say that I would do it before you even start investing, to be honest with you. I like, you know, you know, you always want to teach people the the landmines where not to step. Right. Um, and I would say it depends on your goal. Start start with what your goal is. Right. If your goal is to acquire two properties and build build those two properties and sit and be happy and maybe acquire one every you know, five, 10 years down the line, then I don't know if you really have to look at that for, for a very long time, if ever. But if your goal is to build a business out of real estate and build that generational wealth, then I think you need to sit down right away and look at it and, and start acquiring based on that. Uh, Cause that will give you a better understanding. And that way, if you, if you need to fall back on it being uh, refinanced on personal debt service, you can still do that, but at least, you know, you acquired something that can later be serviced based on its, on its debt service. Great advice. Great advice. And, uh, and I guess too, if you decide uh, at a certain point, you know, you start out one way and you start to look at things a different way or your goals change, you know, then, then you can always look at it from that point on. And um, speaking of the goal thing, before we move on past it, I meant to ask you again, what is the title of the book? It's called Make the Decision. Make the Decision. Got it. Okay. So everybody out there, go to Amazon, order it right now. Um, it'll, help you, it'll help you guys build your goals so you guys can get to where these guys are. Love it. Um, how do you guys help other people invest? I love that. Jordan, take that so one. That's something that uh, we definitely take pride and pleasure in doing. I guess it's our form of giving back, really. And we, we, we help from like all stages. It could be a novice investor, someone looking to get their first home and, you know, uh, showing them the different financing options out there. That could be one aspect. Or someone just looking to, you know, um, upgrade their home and get into a bigger property and they might not be able to get it through traditional banking. So we might have to help out with like a private or different type of unconventional funding practices. So that's been definitely beneficial. Um, we've taken it to the next step as well as, you know, not just helping people that work with us, whether it's directly or indirectly by providing jobs and businesses. Uh, we like to coach, we like to teach. And it's something that we like to, we're going to start doing a lot more of, but I know I got a couple of people under my wing and same with Evan. And, you know, um, the, the, the one gentleman is, is 21 years old and he just completed his third flip, which is 
incredible to see, you know, and just showing them that it is possible that these certain things can happen, right? But um, yeah, it's definitely something that we take a lot of pleasure in doing, for sure. <laughs> so, um, no, that's cool that you guys are coaching people as well. But what about on the investment side? Are you guys working with investors? Um, yeah, so we work with... <laughs> Jordan and I are about our layers. We, I mean, this is what we call it. We call layers. So, like, we try and layer our business. I know that both of you do the same. Um, you know, you have businesses within your businesses. So, um, we work with investors on on both sides um, for private lending within our network. Um, obviously, when you're scaling, the more funds you can uh, bring in, the the faster you can scale. So, um, we've brought in private lending. Um, we're open to it. Uh, we also have helped other people place their money and helped other people uh, get private lending. So um, both Jordan and myself are uh, mortgage agents um, and you know, we take pride in helping people make the connections and get the lending that they need as well. Cool. What, um, has that evolved over the years? Like when you started, how did you first start financing some of your projects into, into now how you go about doing that? Is <laughs> yeah, that's, that's evolved uh, a lot. So Jordan and I self-funded everything. You know, um, we came from, um, we came like Jordan said, we started by funding someone else's, uh, realizing the value in it, then getting into business with that person, and then eventually um, doing business on our own. Uh, and we wanted to work out all the kinks in the plan before bringing in any outside funds. So we self-funded you know, around half a million dollars uh, liquidity uh, on our own. Um, and then from there, as we were scaling, we started to slowly bring in um, private lenders, uh, inner circle like investments and things like that to scale. And did you have at the start when you say self-funded half a million, was that, was that from your home? Was that your personal funds? Was that funds you've had for a long time? How did you, like a lot of people just starting are, are going to be like 500 grand. Well, that's nice for them. They have all that money. But how did, yeah. you get, how did you get that money at the start? <laughs> like it's everything. Like, everything. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we both had our properties uh, that had quite a lot of equity in the beginning. So we were able to pull from that in a form of like a HELOC equity, home equity, line of credit. Um, you know, we both had high income earning jobs. So, you know, we had a lot of cash. Uh, you know, I used to do quite a lot of stuff in entertainment, live shows, promotions. So I had quite a little bit of money. So um, it was interesting because I went from like, you know, the guy that keeps all of his money in the bank and just has it sit there to changing that full mentality to no, no, no. Like every one of my dollars are like little soldiers that are going out there fighting battles for me making me more money. And once we understood that concept of your money needs to be working to make you money while you're sleeping, then it was just like, okay, you know what? Let's use our money. Let's get comfortable with it. And then once we're comfortable, then we're able to take on other investors and work with other people. And I think that's where we differ from a lot of people. Um, a lot of people do it the other way. They want to start with other people's money and it works out great. If it doesn't, oh, well, it's not our money. But uh, peace of mind to Evan and myself is extremely important. So that's why we said, no, you know what? We're going to use our own money first. We're going to really understand this business. We're going to build our systems. And once that these things are in place, then we'll open up our doors to other investors, which started with, you know, friends, family, people in our network, which has now grown tremendously into, you know, working with much larger funds and I can't get into too much details of it because it's kind of an ongoing thing, but um, it's a remarkable thing that we're looking at investing, you know, nine figures into the real estate market. So, yeah, congratulations on that to you guys. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I was going to ask you one about um, you know you mentioned going into different cities, different towns, uh, northern Ontario, and and some of the differences. One of the one of the things that uh, I was curious about is neighborhoods and, and how those uh, you know and a lot of uh, hamilton for example because use that as an example which i know pretty well um there's there's neighborhoods that you know maybe people wouldn't wouldn't love to go into and at the same time there's great investment opportunity in them those kind of like not a plus neighborhoods but maybe c or D. you can still get really good tenants in these neighborhoods if you have a nice product um 
Is that is that the same in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, for example, or uh, you know one of the other smaller sort of communities up in northern Ontario? Or is it uh, how, how does that outlook on the neighborhoods that you're investing in changed, or it, has that changed? Can you still go into the lower lower type neighborhoods and make them you know make a nice product and get a good tenant, or is that like a no, nah, you just don't go in those neighborhoods type of thing? <laughs> I think the question was worded perfectly. Um, <laughs> so I think that what I'm seeing up north is just a bit more um, magnified, let's say, uh, than, I mean, it was Hamilton, it's Hamilton 10, 15 years ago. Like, you know, like yes. if you were in a bad neighborhood in Hamilton 15 years ago, you were in a bad neighborhood, right? And now like the bad neighborhood that would have been the worst in Hamilton is like, yeah, it's bad, but it's not like, it's not the end of the world. So I think that uh, if you're picking your cities properly, um, and you have a healthy mix of neighborhoods, that's how you kind of hedge your bets, right? So um, I'm not gonna avoid any neighborhood per se. Actually, some of our absolute best performing properties came from the worst places in St. Catharines. And I know Jordan's shaking his head yes, because uh, you know, like we, we picked up a, a steal in St. Catharines on literally the worst street in all of St. Catharines. And uh, you know, to date, Performance-wise, burr-wise, burr that's one of the best burrs we've ever had, um, yeah. and it still it still performs beautifully to this day. So um, we don't shy away from it. We just you just need to know what kind of finishes you're putting in there, and and your expected maintenance costs and your turnover, and kind of go with it from there. And if you have a you know depending on what your goals are, <laughs> steady cash flow is your goal. Just make sure you have a mix of of consistent higher grade neighborhoods let's say higher uh grade neighborhoods as well yeah, yeah. it's not all of them yeah <laughs> and to add to that like like i've been said the, the value is really in finding you know those c grade neighborhood pro, um, areas and then you know a couple of years or a few years down the road it turns into a b or it turns into an a and evan and I, myself like you know we both grew up in oakville and we always said like hey we want to like I, my parents bought their four bedroom home in Oakville like 30 years ago for $200,000, right? Um, yeah. That's not going to happen in Oakville in today's market. So something that we always took in a, into account is, hey, we want to find that area that's not hot right now, but that's going to be hot in two years, five years, 10 years. And one of the, of the ways we try and gauge and measure that is, you know, investing in areas with average cost of a detached home is under half a million dollars. Um, what that does for us is quite a few things is A, um, especially for acquiring with privates, we're keeping our mortgage costs relatively low because it's not like we're paying privates on, you know, millions of dollars for one property, right? So that's not one aspect. The other aspect too is a lot of builders don't really go into these areas until that price of the you know, average price of the detached home gets over that 500, half a million, the 600,000 mark. And once that happens, you know, they start buying out lots and putting out new builds or people start buying brand new detached homes, right? From the builder for five nine nine or six ninety nine. So how we kind of hedge ourselves is getting into those areas where we think that demand is going to be there. And if we get in and get these properties, let's say at 150,000 or even under a quarter million, and we know, okay, not only do we have room for appreciation from doing the construction, there's also going to be room in the future as builders come into these areas as demand increases as newer properties go up. So that's something that we use to really gauge which areas we are going into. So let's talk specifically about the St. Catharines one that you brought up um, because it's my you know, favorite. Yeah, exactly. So, and you're saying it wasn't in the best neighborhood, but let's talk about the factors that have made it like the best one. Is it, is it just the fact that the area is turned over? Is it that you guys just destroyed on a, on a renovation project and made it like, and I don't, and I don't think that that's the answer because obviously if you've got like, you know, if, you, if the street is covered with drug addicts, doesn't matter if yours is the nicest one there. <clears throat> but I, I'm sure that plays a part. But what are the factors, <laughs> I guess, that would make it um, the best one that you guys have? Well, I'll start it off, um, and I'm sure Evan will add to it in a second. Um, I, I have a term that I use, and it's don't reinvent the wheel, right? Someone's already doing it. Someone's already done that market research. There's things that you can look at in certain areas that will indicate is this going to be a good area to invest in and one of the gems that evan and myself heard in a business meeting i think years back and it's stayed with us is you want to go in areas where your big 
companies like your Loblaws type companies are buying properties in that area with the hopes of turning it into a grocery store, whether it's in two, five, or 10 years down the line. And this particular area, although it was the worst street in St. Catharines, I'm talking there was drug addicts everywhere, break-ins, uh, gang activity and everything. Loblaws actually bought the bingo hall which was like across the street. <laughs> so that gave us the indication, hey, something's going on here if Loblaws is gonna kind of put that type of money into this area. So you're right, it wasn't just like we completely crushed it on our renovations, it was more so just finding that gem and knowing what to look for to identify the areas which are going to have that increasing demand in the future. Hey, Breakthrough listeners. Are you a real estate investor looking to scale your portfolio but struggle to find an investment-focused renovation company? then our team at Evolution Construction Management is here for you. With our standard list of features and processes, we've created an efficient method to streamline your renovation from start to finish so you don't have to. Enjoy a hassle-free renovation on us. Visit our website at www.evolutioncm.ca or email us for your free quote at info at evolutioncm.ca. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because like we've always sort of said uh, on the show is that, you know, one of the main things is sort of stay focused on an area so that you know it and you can identify the deals when they do come by. So, <clears throat> you know, that's a good point there is that if you're, if you're, you know, in St. Catharines and you're like, oh, I have all these nice places and nice areas in St. Catharines, then this one comes along you'll know right away, okay, that, that one we might be able to jump on because we know something that other people don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Knowing your market is a huge home court advantage. No matter if that market is in your backyard or not, um, just knowing your market well. Um, just I'm going to veer off topic here because I'm definitely not going to remember this, but um, it, it has enabled that one fact that you just said there about knowing your market is – it has enabled us to pick up deals for the sole fact that we knew the deal fit our formula be and, and were able to offer before anybody else could do their due diligence. So knowing your market and when a, a home comes up that fits the mold and you know the area and what you're looking for, it, it allows you to get ahead of everybody else. Well, everybody else is going to be sitting back going, okay, well, I got to check this area. I got to check my due diligence. I got to see my numbers. I see the home come up. It's two bedroom or three bedroom, two bath, whatever it is. It's a detached home. It's in this neighborhood. This is the asking price. I know even if I have to remodel the entire thing down to the studs, I know my cost already. I know yes. this property is going to fit the model. I, I, I'm, I'm coming in buying this even in the hottest market with, with no conditions, taking it up before anybody else can grab it. Right. Um, and so, you know, whoever's selling it is like, oh, this is great. I had it on, I, I put it up, you know, or I sent it out two seconds ago and it's sold. So getting ahead of that curve by knowing your market is a, is a not only a confidence booster, but a huge advantage. Yeah. It's the same good. in almost every business, right? Speed, speed of implementation, speed to speed to lead, speed to all speed is a huge, huge, huge factor. And, and yeah, the more Absolutely. you know your market, the more, like you said, the more you're able to act fast, um, yeah. a huge advantage. <clears throat> this, this actually was, um, I'll tie it right back in this property that we picked up in St. Catharines speed was a huge factor here. Um, this gentleman put up this property on the market, um, got attention from investors out of Toronto uh, very early. And I knew it fit the model. We pressured this guy to give us this deal. Um, the story behind acquiring it is absolutely amazing. Uh, but basically <laughs> knowing the market and, and how it would, fit into our portfolio enabled us to pick up that property and, and it's performed very well. Do you want to share the, the story or? Yeah. So a, a whole, I'll give you the quick version of it. The wholesaler put it out. Uh, investors from Toronto jumped on the, uh, on the opportunity. I wanted the property. I, we owned property on that same street. It is like we said, the worst street in St. Catharines. Uh, we were confident in knowing how it would perform and, and the numbers on the turnover of it. So um, I offered the guy a decent offer, but below what he was looking for. This is obviously like more than two years ago. So before everyone was doing crazy bidding wars and, um, and, he said, okay, no problem. It's, it's yours. But I, I like, I have these people coming out from to Toronto and they've offered me more. So they're going to come and see it. 
Uh, and I was like, no, nah, man, like this is like, I'm taking this property. I know how, like, I'm not letting anybody else take it. And he was like, okay, I'll send you the paperwork for it. And I was like, all right, great. Paperwork didn't come through. He told me that he originally had people coming in at 2 p.m. So I knew that. And when the paperwork didn't come through in the next hour, I was like, I, I know he's showing this place at two o'clock. <laughs> Anyways, we had contractors in the area uh, working on another couple properties of ours. And I actually sent my contractors to that property with like their clipboard and all their tools. <laughs> and at two o'clock, they walked in with the people from Toronto and started measuring and saying, oh, Evan loves this place. He's so happy he got it. And, blah, blah, blah. They, they were, and the guy was like, holy. Anyways, long story short, the it, it clearly annoyed the people from Toronto who ended up leaving and uh, we secured that property and it's been uh, a great property since. Sabotage is, is your recommendation. <laughs> I'm not sabotaging anything. You know, he got his, he got the money he was looking for. Everyone made out really well on that deal. Um, but you got to be aggressive, you know, and even nowadays more so than ever, you got to, you got to think outside the box. You got to chase what you want. And, and I mean, like, again, Sandy, like you said, it's the same thing in every business, right? Like you, know, you, you got to, you got to know what you're going for and you got to be aggressive in, in the pursuit of it. Especially in this market where, you know, it's, it's obviously yeah. cooling a little bit, but when you got tons of offers coming in, you know, you can't right. sit there and have an inspection. You can't sit there and say, Oh, let me think about this. Like, no. So I myself, we have all of our systems. Oh. So by the time a property is found, it goes through like a Excel, it pumps up the numbers. If you can give it a green light, yes or no, literally within 20 minutes, I've seen the property, if not less. And the other thing so, too is nowadays with the with the wholesalers, they're doing the they're doing the whole feeding frenzy. You know, let's let's look at offers in a week, the same as the realtor. Yeah, yeah. You know, crazy, so, yeah. crazy, crazy. I mean, we we got a a, a deal, a portfolio deal came across um, my desk. I would say less than twenty four hours ago, and it's a large. Uh, it's, it's, it's over $12 million in real estate that someone's getting rid of. And uh, Jordan and I ran the numbers very quickly, fits the model, location works well. And we're the first to the table with a with an offer. And we're hoping that that's going to be what gets it there. So less than 24-hour turnaround on, on, on a large pickup like that, you know, works for the, the people who are selling it, works for the, the seller side, uh, everyone on the seller side, and will work for us if we can get our hands on it. So same concept. Very, very good. Um, okay. You know, digging back into the goal setting stuff, let's talk a little bit about how people can do that. You know, you wrote the book on it. So let's, let's go into a little bit of details for people because man, they need it. They, people need it. You yeah. know, they, they, yeah. they'll, they'll stop at the first red light and just, you know, turn left yeah. instead of keeping going straight. Uh, so yeah. let's let's dig into what people should do to get some of these. Like you guys have done really well. Like other people want to know how they can do it too. And clear goals is always a good way to get there. Oh, clearly defined goals view your first step. Like know what you want is knowing what you want is the biggest thing. A lot of people just think I want to make money, and uh, you know money is such an ambiguous term and. It means nothing. So, you know, uh, it, how much money do you want to make? By when do you want to make it? How do you want to make it? So, you, you know, you, you do your who, what, where, when, why, how. Uh, you got to have a really clearly defined goal and you have to know what it looks like, uh, your end goal. You got to be able to taste it. You got to be able to see it, feel it, smell it. Uh, you know, uh, what does it look like? You know, where are you when you're realizing this goal? What are you wearing? What do you smell? What do you see? All these things like bring that goal to reality. And, and then the next biggest step would be like your, your why, why, uh, why do you have this goal? Um, so having a goal is great, but if, if you don't have a really, really deep rooted reason as to why you're going for that goal. Um, you will stop at the first red light or the second or the third or the 100th red light. Jordan and I have been in I mean, like life-changing, stressful situations um, and, and not once, but, but multiple times. And, you know, it's part of learning. It's part of growing. It's failing forward. Um, but, had we not had such important reasons in our lives and such clearly defined goals, it would have been very easy for either of us to throw in the towel and say like, 
this is just too stressful. Like yeah. I, I'm not interested in, in, in having this sleepless nights and the anxiety and the, the stress. So um, definitely the why is important. Right. And that'll keep you moving as well as being able to gauge where you're at at that point where, you know, you, you might be able to like look at it and say, well, look what we've done so far now. Here was our goal. Now we're three quarters of the way there. Are we going to give up now? We've made it three quarters of the way, right? Absolutely. And that's where we kind of like encourage issues as early as possible in our businesses because the quicker mm. an issue comes up, the quicker we can fix it and correct it. It's not a matter of like, oh, no, something's going to happen. What are we going to do? It's like, no, whatever's going to happen, we're going to get through it regardless. So we rather have that issue and explore it as early as possible so we can correct it. I think a lot of people are scared of failure and they don't realize is, you know, that fear of messing up and being perfect is what's really keeping you back from your goals because in that process of doing is where the magic happens. That's what you really learn when your hands on and your money's on the line, you know, and you have these bills yeah. and you have certain things like, like complaining and crying isn't going to fix the problem. <laughs> you know, as, as much as times where I and I had some pretty serious things going on where we wanted to just, you know, put our head in our pillow and just scream, it's not going to fix anything. So us <laughs> having that mindset of, hey, we have to fight through this and figure it out in turn built our confidence. So now when things come across our desk, it's like, whatever. Keep it going. It's up. Yeah. See, I like to face those adversities through interviews with other people, though. That's yeah. the way I, I like to do it. Yeah. And then, and then learn well. from them, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. That definitely would be a, a great way to, to learn them, for sure. Having a podcast like, like yourselves and being able to learn these lessons from a variety of people absolutely would be a great, great way to do it. it's also networking with people that are doing the same thing. And uh, I mean, I, you know, and, and I'll tell them about the stuff that's gone wrong for me. They can tell me the stuff that's gone wrong for them. We can all learn from each other. Right. And, and that's the Absolutely. most important part is the networking part of it. And I have this like term I always say, well, not just me, but like, you know, there's multiple ways up a mountain. Right. And yeah. if you were just thinking about climbing that mountain, but you actually don't take the steps to doing so, you're not going to find out what those ways are. You're not going to meet other people along that same journey who might have figured things out and say, hey, don't do it like this, do it like this. Or, hey, if you climb this way, you could actually do it, you know, you know much more endurance, right? But um, that being said, I think, uh, you know, just having that mindset is really what shaped our vision and, you know, being able to scale as fast as we did is we jumped right into it and being on that path, doing it in the day in, the day out, we met a lot of people who were doing the same thing. So we were able to learn from their mistakes and learn from their success as well. Yeah, and those mind-blowing pitfalls that you're talking about, um, you know, from the beginning days, they probably don't look as daunting now. Yeah, obviously, if you had to face the same one again, it's it's much smaller than it was that first time. You know? Yeah, 100%. And even, even something that we're talking about now is like, um, I mean, looking back on it, 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 was, it was big, but it wasn't like, you know, they're not life changing. And, and, you know, we had a, a situation the other day that we were trying to figure out how it worked. And Jordan and I both voiced to each other, you know, we're stressed. And then we said, you know, like, did we make it through all the other stuff? It's like, yeah. Should we waste our time being stressed on this one or any of them? And we're like, you know what? No. And then we both slept great that night. And it was one of the first yeah. times I think that we both kind of just looked like kind of spoke and said like, Let's just not even waste our time. What like what is stress? Like, let's just not waste our time. We're gonna we're we're gonna get through it. Is it an issue? Yeah, yeah, it's an issue. Like we'll figure it out. And and we did, and and we are, and we continue to do so. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like we're not looking for the most perfect scenario because that just doesn't exist. A lot of people are looking for that absolute perfect scenario where they put their money in. There's no issues. They make their money, and they could do that a hundred times. Um, uh -huh. We have to do the opposite. We're like, no, you know what? We want to face as many issues as possible come up with these solutions because we know no matter what, five years, 10 years, next week, next month, there's going to be issues we run into. So us freaking out about it isn't going to do anything, but us preparing ourselves for when these issues arise and how we deal with it is what's been the biggest game changer for us, for sure. Right. And I like, like, I, I think <clears throat> um, there was a time when, 
people would talk about real estate investing and it would always be raw, raw. Nothing's ever gone wrong. Right. Like that, the the realism that I think a lot of people are bringing to these conversations now is much more important. Obviously, you know, it, it shows that you can get there, but I think we actually did an interview one time, Sandy, and I can't remember who it was, but, uh, and I don't want to call them out, but I remember, you know, we always have the question, what are some of the challenges you faced starting out? And I think we had somebody actually say, you know what, we haven't really run into any challenges yet when we do. That's how you know, that's how you know a big (laughs) challenge is coming quickly. (laughs) Either that or, I don't know, either they're delusional and they just don't look at challenges as challenges and they're all just like, I don't know, maybe they don't look at it as a challenge or they're lying, you know, because there's always problems. There's always adversity to get through. Listen, anyone who's renovated any house with contractors, especially older properties, like you're going to run into problems. There's always going to be problems. There's going to be, you know, uh, booking issues with contractors, getting them on time, especially now with like the demand is crazy. Everyone wants a contractor. And, um, you know, there's just not that many out there right now. And not just out there, you have to make sure you get a good contractor, right? Because yeah. we have a rule of thumb. So we don't go for the most expensive quote and we don't go for the cheapest quote. We kind of want to be in the middle somewhere, right? But um, yeah, the kind of thing that there's not going to be any challenges, I just don't think that's re- realistic at all. You're going to run into challenges. Like it's part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And just focus on getting through it. Um Let's see. What are, what are you guys' big plans for the future? Take over the world. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we expansion is our our future. You know, we really want to make a goddamn dent in the world, man. We want to we want to expand aggressively. Um, you know, our immediate goal is to you know break the hundred million dollar mark of properties, and I think we're we're going to do that fairly well. Um, and then, you know, double it and double it and double it until we've taken over. But um, I think we're in terms outside of just uh, financial and, and, and portfolio goals, um, we want to get into different types of real estate markets. So um, we're also acquiring more apartment buildings now. Um, we've played in the short-term rental game with Airbnb and we've seen a lot of success with that. So um, we want to do more on the short-term rental side. Um, and we want, uh, we, we've talked about, um, also like destination investing as well. So like, uh, you know, um, I, I know, I know you guys are doing some of that as well uh, in Costa Rica. So, uh, you know, talking about picking up properties in different places of the world, you know, my vision for leisure and pleasure is really, you know, uh, Airbnb places in like the houses in the top places in the world. And then, you know, when I want to go there, I just, I'm going to my own house. You know, I want to go, yeah, I'm going to go stay in Paris. I'm going to go have coffee in Paris this weekend. You know, I was like, okay, cool. I don't have a booking there. So I'm just going to hang out. It's, it's that type of mentality, um, and freedom ultimately to, to kind of play in your own backyard, wherever that backyard may be. So. Yeah, and, and, and to very just quickly add on that for me, the last word you said I is exactly that freedom, right? Like I got two young kids, you know, and the, the, to be able to watch them grow and be at home and, you know, not have to physically be at the office every single day has, has been great. And I want to continue that. And that's something that I've got a little taste of, but I want to make sure that that's there for my kids so I can see them grow up, you know? But um, yeah, freedom is definitely, definitely a motivator for us, like without question. Probably one of the one of the best goals for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just want to do what you want to do. Whatever you want to do, you're not you know constrained by any money or whatever barriers. If you want to do something, you do it. That's the real freedom, right? So yeah, we don't get our days back. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting, guys. Are you gonna? Are you? Are you? Um, it sounds like the the scaling is to continue. Then I think a lot of you know some people. We've talked to a lot of people that that in hindsight have looked back and said, I don't know if I should do that. Maybe, maybe, maybe I went too fast or, and you've kind of gone through some of those hurdles already by the sounds of it. So, um, yeah, and if you want to keep going or you want to go, uh, maybe not anymore. Uh, well, so you want to scale. We're, 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 we're doing it again. <laughs> we're, we're putting ourselves into the fire again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always want to scale. I, I can, the best 
story and example I can give you, and and it hasn't happened once. It's happened multiple times, and we tell this one often. Is like, uh, you know, Jordan and I were like, all right, I think I think we've scaled a good amount. Let's stabilize everything before we continue to scale. Um, and and so we say, okay, you know what? For the next for the next four months, we're not going to buy any property. Let's let's just hang out here at this level for a bit and and go. And then you know, like. Like six days later, I'm like, Jordan, I bought two more. I'm so sorry, man. Like I got, they were, they were the perfect deal. We had to take them. Let's just, let's keep going. And then, you know, two turns into six and turns into eight. And and so we're, we have an addiction with being uncomfortable and um, it's, it's, it's led to so much knowledge and experience. So I, I think we'll continue down that same path. I think if Jordan and I tried to sit still, uh, uh, we would lose our minds. So, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. We we're always striving to have that break where we don't have to do anything. There's not much crazy stuff happening, and the second we even have like a half a day of just quietness, it's like, okay, this feels weird. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> Let's get back into the fire. Hundred <laughs> percent. Cool. What's uh? What's we ask everyone this? Um, and there's already been a few of these nuggets throughout the show, but what's a what's another what, what's one that stands out for you? A piece of info or advice that's always stuck with you. And uh, and how has it helped you along the way? I think for me, the biggest one was just changing my mindset. And two main things I can say to that is, A, you don't have to live in the city you're investing in. And, you know, growing up where I did in Oakville, where the average cost of a detached home is like well over a million dollars, um, it's hard to do that. It's hard to start a business. So opening our mindset to, to being able to buy properties in Sault Ste. Marie and St. Catharines and in different areas was a big hurdle to get over. The other one, as I touched on earlier in the show, is being comfortable spending money and having your money work for you. Um, we've all heard the term, scared money doesn't make no money. But, um, you know, uh, that's a big one I could say is being comfortable. And the best way you can get comfortable is having that knowledge. You know, uh, don't look at it as like, oh, my God, it's so expensive. Like, what am I going to do? Like, no. But if you have that knowledge, then, you know, you're able to put it together, make sense of everything. And if you have to get certain loans or whatever from different people in your network, you're able to do it because you know you can successfully execute that particular project. Yeah, I think having the confidence just that you, you're you saying, having the confidence just to know that you'll be able to find the answer, right? Even if you don't 100%. have it right now. 100%. And that's the thing. Like, there's been times where we're like, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? And fast forward to, uh, there's like, like a time, I think a few months ago, where we had a lender pull out two weeks before closing an apartment building, $2.2 million in financing. You know, we had a $60,000 deposit on the line. If we couldn't close, that would have got lost. Um, and instead of freaking out, we just got to work. And, and within two weeks, we came up with that $2 million to close the property. So it was a remarkable thing. And once you do that, you know, a couple of times, then you kind of feel like there's nothing that can stop you. Like there's no barriers that can stop you. So we're excited. Awesome. What about you, Evan? Um, I think that for me, the biggest like advice, uh, the best advice I can give to people is uh, no matter, I mean, uh, on the, uh, aside from the goal setting advice, I think is systems and people, um, you know, even if you're buying one property or if you're buying a thousand properties, uh, your systems will determine how seamless and how stressed you are uh, and how successful you are. So, you know, I, I have a, a line I love and it's, you know, it, it, it's only, you're only as successful as you can duplicate your system. And so it's really important to find systems that, that duplicate and that can grow and scale with you. If you have to do everything every time, it's, it's a lot of work. It's going to cause a lot of stress. So find the right systems, implement the right systems, create protocols, procedures, automations, and then put the right people in place to manage those systems and your life is going to be absolutely fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm here currently in, in Bali and, you know, we had you know, our Airbnb is operating. We have tenant turnover. We have cleaners going in. We have maintenance if it needs it. We have refill of all the supplies. And I, I, I see the messages come through, but we're not actively uh, doing anything for it. The paychecks are coming from it, but we're not doing anything for it. So those systems are really important. And I would rely on those systems as much as possible, even with one home. Yeah. Otherwise you'll yeah. get caught up in the, in the micro. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, the you whirlwind. Want right? You want freedom. You got to have systems. That's for sure. That's exactly. And, and, and just to add to that, like, there's so many times where, like, you know, because I'm a very hands-on guy, I'm so excited, but we got to remind ourselves, yes, Jordan, we can both do this, but that's not the idea. We want to be able to put this into a system so we can scale this so it doesn't require us having to physically be there at that present that point in time, which has been Correct. huge for us. Awesome. Guys, I want to thank you for everything that you've uh, shared with us today. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, once again, what was the what's the name of your book again? It's called Make the Decision. Okay, Make the Decision. Got it. We'll have that in the show notes. And uh, and as well, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Um, so you can visit us uh, at our website at uh, tuckcapital.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. We're quite active uh, on social media. Um, yeah, feel free to send us an email as well. Uh, Evan at Tuck Capital or Jordan at TuckCapital.com. And Tuck Capital is just T-U-K. That's right. T-U-K Capital.com. Yep. Got it. All right. Uh, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Sandy at FreedomReps.com. Would be the easiest way, or they can find me on across social media and all, you know, everywhere on that world as well. You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show, and we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time.